to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you have never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. If you aren't following us on social media, make sure to head to Facebook and Instagram and search for My Collective Church to learn more about what is going on at Collective as we start this new year. Thank you again for listening. Now let's get into Sunday's message. Noses. Noses. According to Dr. Michael Benninger, a nose specialist, your nose is one of the most complex and elegant organs in your entire body. Go ahead and stick that pinky finger up if you want to. We're going to get fancy looking at our nose today. Here's some facts for you about your nose. Your nose and sinuses produce almost one liter of mucus every single day. One out of every two men and one out of every four women sitting here in this room struggle with a regular snoring habit. First service, I saw some side glances. Don't be calling each other out right now. And by the time you're legally old enough to drink, your nose has reached its final form, but your nose will slowly lengthen and sag for the rest of your life. Super encouraging. But did you know, out of your five senses, only your nose is directly connected to the area of your brain where memories are formed and emotions are processed? This is why certain smells trigger powerful memories. Your your grandma's chocolate chip cookies or the beach or your grandma's favorite recipe that she always made. When you smell that recipe, you think of her. Smell, emotion, and memory are powerfully intertwined. When my mom lost her dad, part of her grieving process was to keep one of his sweaters. And when she missed him, she would smell that sweater and feel close to him after his death. And I know for me, after a long, gross, gray, blah winter, which somehow still seems to be sticking around, which I don't understand, one of my favorite smells every spring is fresh-cut grass. I love that smell. It's invigorating. It gets me excited for the season. That's one of my favorite smells. One of my other favorite smells. All right, listen, you got to stick with me, and you can't judge me for what I'm about ready to tell you. Fresh babies. Like, fresh out of the womb babies, they smell so good. I'm not a creep, okay? We've had three babies, me and my love sort of Rachel, we have three of our own. Well, what do they smell like? I don't know. They just smell good, and it's invigorating. It's super weird. Don't worry. If you have a newborn, I will not come up and try to smell your baby, because that's weird, right? But it's just one of my favorite smells. I can't explain it, but we're going to move on before things get any more uncomfortable than what you feel they may already be right now. Normally, I wait until the application at the end of the message to give you a big takeaway or two, but we're going to jump into that right now at the beginning of this message. This is when Pastor Michael usually says something like, if you take anything away from today's message or if you screenshot one thing, I'm going to give you this 
given this to you already because I want us all to focus on three simple words. Three simple words that can rock your world, but of course, it's not actually that easy. Putting these three words into practice takes a lot of effort, and as I have found out, can be very frustrating as well. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry. So there's this dude, he's a mega important person in the Christian church circles in America. He lives in a mega church in Chicago, Illinois, hundreds of staff, multi, multi millions of dollars in a budget. Basically, he's a CEO who happens to preach at the same time. And as our own Pastor Michael can tell you, leading a church this size is hard and it's demanding. Imagine leading a church the size of 54 collectives, and that's what this guy is doing. So he seeks out his mentor, a guy named Dallas Willard. Willard is one of our most respected authors of our time. And he goes to Dallas Willard and he says, hey, I'm getting sucked into this mega church insanity and life is just getting crazy. How do I become the person that I want to be? And as was the case with Dallas Willard, there was a long pause And then he stated, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Okay, cool. I got it. Step one, mega church pastor says, cool, check. Got that written down. Now I'm going to wait for you to tell me the rest. Like what comes next? And as if Willard knows what he's thinking, another long pause, there is nothing else. Hurry is the great enemy of our spiritual life in our day. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry. There's an academic researcher. His name is Michael Zigarelli from Charleston Southern University in South Carolina, and he conducted a study about obstacles to growth. And in this study, he got participants, over 20,000 of them, from all over the world. And what Zigarelli found is that busyness is a major distraction to growth in your spiritual life. And he breaks it down into five simple steps. Step number one, Christians are living just like everybody else. We're busy and we're overloaded and our schedules are packed. Step number two, God becomes less important in our life which naturally leads to step number three, a deteriorating relationship with God. And step number four, Christians are more likely to adopt worldly assumptions about how to live, which leads to the last step, more conformity and more busyness and more overload. And Zigarelli said that cycle just repeats itself constantly throughout our life. Author Ronald Rollheiser said, we are more busy than bad, and pathological busyness is a distraction that is a major block in our spiritual lives. Writer and speaker Corey Ten Boom says, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Psychologist Carl Jung, hurry is not of the devil, hurry is the devil. And all of this outlines the lie that we all too often believe today. Busier is better. And we just heard from authors, from speakers, church leaders, researchers, and psychologists, but we know this to be true in our own lives as well. Ask somebody how they're doing. Hey, how are things going? I'm busy. I'm tired. I'm tired because I'm busy, and I'm busy because I'm tired. It's an exhausting state of being. 
And here is the major problem with that busyness. Corey Ten Boom tells us our busyness cuts off our connection that we have with God. And in that sense, our busyness is exactly like sin. We lose our connection to the ultimate source, to God. And Jesus tells us in John 10.10, he came so that we may have a life to the full. But oftentimes we're so busy we don't get that life. And as author John Ortberg says, we skim through life and we don't actually get to live that life because we're too busy. It's your family, your friends, your coworkers, your kids. If you have them, it's you, it's me. This is all of us. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry. Let's jump back into noses for just a second. No, I don't have an olfactory obsession of some sort. I have a God obsession, which is why we're talking about noses today. And did you know that God's nose is long and drawn out? Sort of. In Bible times, if somebody was angry, it is said that their nose burned hot. And maybe you know this, if you get really angry or frustrated, you can feel your face getting flushed and and you can feel that heat coming to your skin because you're angry. This is exactly what they were talking about. So in Hebrew, one of the original languages of the Bible, the most common words for anger, it's not actually anger, it's hot and nose or simply hot nose. So if you are like me, if you're easily angered, Hebrew culture would refer to us as short of nose because we get angry quickly. Also, the phrase slow to anger is literally translated as long of nose, or it takes a long time for you to get angry. And both in the book of Exodus and in Psalms, which are in the Old Testament, which is before the life of Jesus, they describe the character of God, and they both describe the character of God in the same way, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger. No, God doesn't actually have a real physical nose. This is a metaphor that God is slow to anger, but I am not. My nose constantly burns hot. And I'm assuming that you have heard the message that we're all busy people, and it's not great for us to be busy. And if that's all that we lived in today, that message would become white noise because we've heard it so much. But have you ever stopped to think about what is the impact of that busyness? What is the deeper meaning? What effect does this have on my daily life and on my life in general, being too busy? And I know that I'm not alone when I say that I get in a hurry, I get angry. Listen to me in the morning when I'm trying to get my kids out the door to school, I am not a nice person. Or when I'm driving in that horribly designed parking lot with Chick-fil-A and Starbucks and Walmart at the corner of Monocacy and 26, listen to me talking to the drivers. It is your turn, turn right, go. I get angry so quickly. And maybe you can see yourself in this. And just to be clear, we're not talking about a short burst of energy to knock off a bunch of stuff on my to-do list. This is prolonged lifestyle. Go, go, go. 
I was researching for today's message, and I found the book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And it's a great book. But of course, there is also the summary of The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And this is the most American thing ever, isn't it? Like, I want it. I need it. But I can't read the whole entire book, so just give me the Cliff Notes version and teach me how to not hurry by hurrying through this book. And when we live like this, what is your prevailing attitude? It might not be anger, but maybe your response is to get stressed out, to constantly feel anxious, overwhelmed, burnt out. Maybe you just spend so much that you actually end up accomplishing nothing. You're not alone. There are people in this room who are the exact same way. This has been happening forever. We're about ready to read the story about two sisters, and for them, life gets busy. They're hosting a bunch of people over for dinner. Things kind of blow out of proportion, and a well-intentioned gesture turns into much more than just that. So this comes from the book of Luke, chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. The Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Let's break down what happens just a little bit. First of all, notice that Martha extends the invitation. In our common everyday language that we use today, she says, hey, y'all want to hang out? Come over and have dinner. And Mary and Martha are the sisters of of Lazarus, the same Lazarus that Jesus raised from the dead. And if that story sounds familiar, Pastor Michael walked us through that story in our last series, and this encounter today occurs after Lazarus is raised from the dead. So naturally, the sisters feel a connection to Jesus because he raised their brother from the dead. And remember, when Jesus saw Lazarus's body, he wept. He was upset. Jesus and this family have a certain closeness and a connection. So it's very natural that Martha would welcome them into her house. Martha, who is seemingly the oldest and the head of her household, which would have been a rare thing at that time, is not only welcoming Jesus, she's also welcoming his 12 disciples and whoever else might have been traveling with them as well. So this is at least 15 adults that she's inviting into her family to feed. This is a major deal, and this is a very generous act that she is giving to Jesus and his disciples. Now just think for a minute, whether you live alone or with roommates or with your family, hey, I invited like 15 people, I think, to come over and hang out for dinner, clean the hairs out of the sink and get the dog poop out of the backyard. Side note. Just another reason to not have a dog. If you're new here, I don't like dogs. It's kind of my thing. And no, I don't like your dog either. (laughs) But are the bathrooms clean? Where's everybody going to sit? Do we need to run to the store and grab more food? Maybe running around your apartment or your house 
trying to get things ready, just like Martha. We all have a little Martha in us and get busy, busy, busy. But as we just read, Mary's just chilling. No work, no cooking, no cleaning, not being a good host, busy sitting. In our household, me and Rachel, Rachel is my wife, we have three girls. The oldest is five and the next is three. And when we ask them, hey, it's the end of the night, we're going to get ready for bed. Can y'all please clean up some of your toys and help us just clean up the house a little bit? One of them is cleaning and the other one is still playing. You probably already know what's going to happen. The one who is cleaning sees the one who's still having fun and comes up to us and says, hey, why are they still having fun? Make them clean and make them help me. Sisters, they bicker, and that's just exactly what is happening here as well. Martha maybe thinks her sister's being lazy. She's definitely not contributing to the work, so Martha does what our kids do in our household. She runs to the authority, and she tattles. Jesus, don't you see? I'm doing this good thing for you and all of your friends, and I'm so busy, and I'm cooking, and I'm cleaning, and I'm doing all this work, and she's doing nothing. Jesus, tell her to help me. And this is when we see Martha's response to being too busy. This is her personal response. She doesn't get angry like me. She looks around and starts to compare, and then she starts to whine. Martha is just like us. Her busyness is literally driving her away from Jesus. He is in her living room, and she has lost her connection with him because she's focused on what's in front of her, just like us. Baby, I'm sorry that daddy gets home from work so late every night, but I'm trying to give you a better life than I had. Hey, I know you want to go play with your friends, and that sounds really fun, but we have homework to do, and we have your instrument that we need to practice, and we have sports that we have to do, so we're just a little too busy today. How about next week? I'd love to go to small group with you, but I have social media to scroll through tonight, so I'm actually a little busy, so maybe check back later. Or husbands to your wives, being intentional and actually having real talk and real conversation sounds great, but there's a game on, just like there was a game on the last time, just like there's going to be another game on the next day, and I'm not really interested in this game, like I wasn't really interested in that game, but it's a game and I want to watch it, so later? Now let's be real The work has to get done. The meal has to get prepared. Our work has to get done. But the work should not become the entire focus. Martha had become consumed, what we just read said, specifically distracted with her busyness rather than focusing on Jesus. But Mary's position took intentionality, front and center, right at the feet of Jesus. She was there on purpose. She knew the priority. Jesus recognized this as well. And this is why he tells Martha, I'm not going to take this away from her. I'm not going to ask her to get up and work. So Jesus is very clearly telling her, as he's telling all of us today, that he is the priority. Jesus should always be number one in our lives. And a lot of times when we hear a message about decluttering or making life more simple, one of the first things to go is what should be our biggest priority. Maybe we go to church once or twice less a month, but hey, I'll catch it on YouTube later. 
we find a reason to not go to small group or we feel compelled to serve on the team, but we find a reason not to. And Jesus cannot be any more clear for everybody in the room today. The most important priority in our life is him. It's Jesus. And for people like me who are bought in and love Jesus, I would never say I love Jesus. I love doing my dishes more than I love Jesus. I would never say that. But at the end of the night, do the dirty dishes sit in the sink or does my Bible sit on the shelf? Or for those of us who have the Bible on our phone in a cool app, when we have the end of the night and we're just relaxing, do we open up our go-tos, our highlight reels, our social media, whatever, or do we open up our Bible app and read through our Bible plan? I know for me, I've seen it this week, my actions, much more than I care and wish to admit, say that I care more about my dirty dishes, my kids' toys, and my TV shows than I do actually spending time with Jesus. Now, having priorities has never been the problem. Martha was generous and committed to doing a great thing. That commitment became the problem when it caused her to lose her connection to God. My busy attitude, my busy lifestyle becomes my problem because it causes me to be short-nosed and to live in anger rather than live in love and joy and peace. And as a Christian, somebody who loves Jesus, I'm called to love God and love others, but I can't love God and love others if I'm constantly in a state of hurry because love, joy, and peace can't coexist with anger. And love, joy, and peace can't coexist with your state of exhaustion, stress, anxiety, or being burned out. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry. For some of us in the room today, we need to ask ourselves a question, why are we so busy? What are you trying to prove? To who? Are you busy because that's where you get your validation? That's where you feel good about yourself through your busyness and makes you feel important? Are you busy covering up something, avoiding loneliness, avoiding pain, Avoiding dealing with hurt in a healthy, appropriate way. This, too, is a distraction. And busyness, whether for good or bad, chasing the rat race, proving ourselves, or avoiding life, all of it ends in the exact same way. We lose our connection to God. Let's get practical and look at my life for just a minute. Monday morning, tomorrow morning, when the alarm clock goes off, usually I hit snooze, and then I hit snooze again. Causes me to be late, causes our girls to be late, causes me to be short with them and just rush them out the door. They're off to school in a bad mood. I'm off to work in a bad mood. Monday gets behind. I come home and I'm still frustrated because I haven't had a good day. That environment sits in my house and then I just rush my kids off to bed so I can have a minute to just sit. And in that moment, I don't want to be intentional with my wife. I don't want to read my Bible. I don't want to pray to God. And that moment turns into a day, which turns into a week, which turns into a month, because my anger and my frustration are living instead of love and joy and peace. 
So I need to ask myself this question, and we all need to ask ourselves this question today. What do we need to eliminate from our lives so that we can grow closer to God? What do we need to eliminate from our lives so that we can choose to focus and reflect on who God is? Video games? Social media? Streaming TV service of choice? 60-plus hour work weeks? Cut these things out from your life that take you away from God and add things in that bring you closer. Instead, read your Bible. Spend time with people who build you up in your relationship with God. Pray, serve, be here more, attend a small group. For some of us, that means being intentional about getting baptized. Over the lifetime of our church, we have had scores and scores of people check that box that says, I'm ready to start my baptism conversation. And then we walk out of this door, life smacks all of us in the face, and we get busy, and that choice and that commitment starts to fade. And we don't actually end up following through on that. But with Easter coming up next week, this is the perfect time to focus on getting baptized. So don't wait. Don't walk out of here and get busy and let this important decision slide. I know for me, one thing I did this week, one small thing I did, I felt convicted as I was going through this to delete Facebook off of my phone. Got rid of the app, spending way too much time on it, not doing anything good for me, which is a good first step. But if that's the only step that I take... That's not enough. Instead of looking at Facebook, I need to replace that with the Bible app that I have on my phone and going through my reading plan that I have with a few of my friends. Take out what takes you away and in its place, give you something that brings you closer to God. And we all need this because this leads us to the truth and away from the lie that busier is better. The truth is intentionality is better. Look at Mary. Mary felt great in those moments when Jesus was in her house. It was chaotic. It was crazy. There were a lot of people. It was loud. Could have been a little bit tight moving around. Mary felt great. Mary experienced love and joy and peace in the midst of a crazy, chaotic situation because she kept Jesus as her ultimate priority. So let's go experience that same freedom this week. Eliminate what takes us away from God and choose to be like Mary and be intentional about spending time with Jesus instead. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for today. God, I know that I thank you that there are characters in the Bible who are making some mistakes and not doing things exactly right because I see myself in that. And I'm like, yes, that is me. I'm glad that the Bible connects with me. And God, we know that you want us to live in a healthy way. You want what is best for us. You have that full life for us that you described. We also know that you tell us simply to be still and know that I am God. So I pray that we do that this week as individuals, as friends, as families. We practically focus on what do we need to take away and how can we put you in that place. It's in your son's name. Amen.